Hi, I'm Paul Stringfellow and welcome to Tech Interviews. This is our last show of 2020, so we're doing something a little bit different as I catch up with a couple of my friends from the IT community and find out about a project they've been doing to help make technology available to all. So settle back and enjoy the show. Hi and welcome to this week's edition of Tech Interviews. It's the last show of 2020 and so for this one I want to do something a little bit different. So normally we talk about enterprise technology uh, but 2020 has been, um, what's the best way of putting this, quite the year um, you know, for, for all kinds of reasons. Uh, you know, and I think it's easy for lots of us to look at the negative connotations of what 2020 has brought because there has, has indeed been plenty of them. Um, but there's been lots of positives as well. And, and one of the positives that I've seen that not necessarily been a technology thing, but on this show, we're going to kind of look at how technology has responded to some of the challenges uh, that, that we've seen. Um, but, but one of the real positives that I think we can take from 2020 has been that idea that people in positions of more privileged positions, perhaps, and, and some of those others in society, how they've seen some of those struggles, how some of the struggles for, for people who are you know, less well off, living in more difficult circumstances than probably a lot of people who watch this show. You know, for, for a lot of people who watch or listen to this show, you know, we work in the technology industry. It's a relatively well-paying industry. I think probably lots of us are, are relatively comfortable when we, when we look at um, you know, you know, certainly some of the poor in society. And that's been one of the things, and, and certainly in the UK here, that, that was highlighted really well by a campaign that Premier League footballer Marcus Rashford headed up, where he looked at some of the difficulties that the poorest children in society had and, and launched a campaign, um, I mean, you could certainly say against the government to ensure that the government helped to look after those children during school holidays with what we have in the UK is this idea of free school meals for, for the most vulnerable children, but only in term time. So so he launched a campaign during the summer holidays and and, and again for the, the the upcoming Christmas holidays to, to ensure that those kids were fed. And, you know, and that's a that's a really good example of somebody looking at um, society and, and just wondering how they could help, how they could do more through what has been a very difficult time for many. So without going too much into the uh, the, the rights and, and wrongs of, of how government uh, government and society work, I wanted to take a little look at something that um, a couple of my my very good friends in uh, the IT industry have looked at this year. You know, something just completely off their own bat, not part of their day-to-day -day jobs, but where they kind of took that concept of looking at where some people maybe weren't as fortunate as they were in terms of access to technology and, and easy access to technology, and looking at ways that maybe they'd be able to take some of the cheaper technologies, more widely available, more affordable and turn that into something worthwhile. So um, so joining me for this last show of 2020 are familiar faces, I think, to the show for many of you. Um, I'm joined by Jason Benedicic and Michael Cade. Hi, guys. How are you doing? I'm good, Paul. Nice to be on the show again. Yeah, nice to have you. Michael, how are you? Yeah, all good. Nice. I'm going to try not to mention the company that I work for, like every other time I'm on here, but I'm <laughs> sure we can squeeze something in. <laughs> I, I'm sure we can um, as well. And, and uh, well, I will I will get you to introduce yourselves um, uh, as you do. So obviously, with this being a Christmas show, um, everybody has got into the spirit. Um, I have my massive Christmas tree uh, behind me and R2-D2 in uh, lights and antlers. Um, but everybody's joined in with uh, with Christmas paraphernalia of some sort. So, so gents, would you like to share uh, with the audience? Well, Jace, you go first, mate. Uh, my Look at that. Santa. Nice. You need Santa. To, you need to dye that beard as well, mate. I, <laughs> I have been thinking about it. I went with the 
because it always is the most wonderful time for a beer. <laughs> and so for uh, so anybody who follows, uh, anybody who listens or watches the show and follows Michael on Twitter, and I'm, I'm sure many of you do, uh, you'd have also seen his advent calendar that he's he's had this year. So um, I, I won't spoil that surprise for, for people who don't know, but go and find him on Twitter. So, um, well, look, guys, before we jump into kind of something that you, you, you two have both picked up on, as I say, kind of off your own bat as a as a bit of a project this year, um, just, just for people who don't know who you are, um, I might as well start with you, Michael. You know, we're... we're um, uh, tell us a little bit about who you are, what you do, and where people can find you on on social media. Yeah, cheers, Paul. So, Michael Cade, I um, so I work for a company called Veeam Software, focusing on data management, and I sit in the office of the CTO, or or at least in the product strategy group within Veeam. So it's about shouting about what we're doing, but a lot of my job is about the art of the possible. How do we make our software do different things, not just the the normal day to day. And that's so I get to tinker a lot with technology. So that's the that's the buzz. I I love that. Um, On Twitter at Michael Cade one. And then also started off this YouTube stuff with all this uh, lockdown. Seems like a very easy way of consuming stuff. So I thought, oh, let's get on there and start throwing some demos on. And then vzilla.co.uk is where I still try and do some writing around that, that sort of stuff as well. And uh, yeah, well, that that YouTube thing apparently will catch on one day. So I've heard, yeah. uh, which is why uh, people who are choosing to watch the show, uh, of course, can can see our pretty faces. Um, uh, and Jason, for for people who who don't know who you are, do, do kind of same drill. Yeah, so Jason Belovitchich, I am an independent consultant um, in the south of the UK. Uh, been in this game with you guys for well, probably over a decade. God, what's going on? Um, So I work in all things infrastructure, or I have done, and over the last few years migrated my way over into hybrid and then cloud and automation. Um, So a bit like Michael, I kind of work on the art of the possible. I help customers on their journey. Um, How can we get from where we were to where we want to be? Um, And how do we move our old processes or our our legacy processes along with that? And how do we adopt the, the right new processes? So kind of uh work in that sort of transformational space um but i'm a bit of a realist like uh, you can't just take everything and stick it in the cloud that's that's not not the way this works we have to do a lot of work with it so uh yeah a bit of a realist but uh in the transformation space so there you go my 2020 is in uh, has ended with shocking news you can't just take everything and stick it in the cloud <laughs> um well that's that's 2021 is gonna be a whole different year now and uh, we'll just yeah. have that conversation yeah, um so. well well, well, both of you touched on this idea of looking at the art of the possible with technology. And I, I think that kind of feeds in nicely to uh, what I wanted to cover with you to, today was was this kind of project that you picked up on kind of right at the start of, of kind of COVID and, and as it was impacting people. And obviously one of the big impacts, so lots of us have been impacted in our job and, you know, and obviously life has been impacted hugely in general. Um, but of course, one of the areas that's been massively impacted is education. You know, and how how do we maintain a level of education for children you know from from the early years through to those doing you know kind of their advanced you know, my, my son's just finished his degree so right, right at that that kind of the end of the scale as well you know how do we make that accessible and I think it's very easy for for us as technologists and for, for many in the technology industry to assume that well technology is the answer you know we're, we're recording this today on zoom we've all used teams you know there's a there's a whole bunch of uh, ways of, of collaborating and, and communicating with each other that's available but all that's available as long as you've got access to the things that make it available um so so i don't know which one he wants to kind of pick up on uh giving a little bit of an insight on what you started looking at and, and some of the reasons uh, reasons behind it so uh, whoever wants to go first 
yeah, I think like it makes sense as to like so let's if we rewind, unfortunately rewind back to March 2020 and kind of relive this whole situation. But my my child is he's six years old, like second year at school, that sort of age group. But the um I think they were everyone was thrown home, right? Everyone both work but also schools. So we had to deal with that. Now, some people are in fortunate positions where they're able to handle that and be able to deal with that. Some, obviously, key workers that we had and people that work in hospitals, doctors, etc., they had the opportunity to still send their children to school and have a skeleton school type type approach. But, and like for us, I've got, and this, I'm not boasting or anything, but screens compute tech everything i've got so much stuff at home so i think it's important for us and a lot of your listeners paul will we, we take it for granted that we have all of this technology and the one thing that that st- struck me at this point was in my son's school there was one one family that that really resonated and made me go out and think about what this what we could do or what that what the options were and basically they so everything went home everyone was then using their devices to access online learning just a web page and it might be youtube content it might be just a web page or, or like just simple surfing the internet if you if you will if that's still even a thing it makes me sound really old um but there was people those like in particular this one one family they were having to share the mother's phone between and it's not just one child this is three children to do their homework and very in different ages as well and that phone is well one it's the only communication device within the whole house and I, I thought that can't be that can't be right that that can't be a good way to do it and again we go back to we take it for granted that we've got these smart tvs we've got our computers we've got laptops we've got tablets and but not everyone has, and but we're asking all of these children to go home to their families, and now they have to consume this education in a different way to what they've ever done. So not only is it like turned everything on its head that way, like having mums and dads to now become the teacher, but also we have to fight and make sure that we've got access to devices, and that really spurred into into what first began looking into well what technology allows us to simply just consume those web pages in the cheapest possible form with that and i know a lot of schools out there have like there's a lot of tablets and schemes that have gone that have gone and and they seem to be looking at ipads and the most expensive tablets and technology available and i simply put like i know you you brushed around the uh, the topic of the government but ultimately like because they have no idea either they they don't know what's available and and i use this quite a lot of work as well but you don't know what you don't know and but it's so frustrating that like me and jason can't be the only ones to come up with this stuff like with we're extremely smart people but we're not that no we're not that <laughs> But so I imagine there are other people, but this is the government, yeah, without going into a rabbit hole and bad mouthing them. But iPads are expensive, tablets are expensive for the most part. But that that's really what led us on to 
looking into the art of the possible from a what we could help those like what what we can help with those families and and whether that's and, and yeah and we'll get into like how we've how we've uh, come up with some stuff what the plans are around this as well if we ever do go into another lockdown school from home type situation um but yeah that's that's really the I mean, just, sure, I mean, just yeah. a bit, maybe, Jason, just before you jump in, I, I, I mean, one of the things that you, that you said in there, and, and I thought it's really interesting, was that, you know, and again, without without focusing, let, let, let's look at whether kind of, um, you know, governments around the world, because it's clearly not just a UK problem, although we're obviously all based in the UK, but governments around the world, even the most willing governments, if they wanted to give every child, every, every school-aged child access to an iPad, it's just untenable for, I would imagine, any government in the world at that kind of cost, you know. And yes, I'm sure you could talk to Apple about bringing the cost down in these, these kind. Of, but even so, you know, that you're still talking in, in UK terms, hundreds of pounds per child to give them a device, and that's potentially, particularly as you you look at the economic impact of what we've seen this year, that becomes really difficult, even for the most willing of governments to to supply it. So, so I think looking at, like you said, the art of the possible and looking at can we make this kind of stuff more accessible, but at a more accessible cost? I think is is hugely important. So, sorry, Jason, I, I didn't mean to kind of cut That's in right. on you, but um, I, I just thought it was, it was an interesting point Michael made. Uh, no, no, it leads in it leads in pretty well to sort of um, where I came in with this. So, um, Michael and I, you know, discussed it a little bit, and we're talking about it. And I, I'd been having some similar thoughts and and and, and discussions. And I have friends all over the world. Um, my son, he's not old enough for school yet, so we've kind of dodged this in our own home. But um, I have friends all over, and I was watching on a daily basis of some people I know um, sharing a tablet between two or three kids at the kitchen table, and you know, juggling different Zoom sessions or. Um, some of the schools in America where some of my friends, her children are, they were giving out um, Chromebooks or, or similar type things. Um, obviously, but this is varies school to school, region to region, district to district, and, you know, and budgets are difficult. I mean, schools don't have enough money in this country as it is. Um, uh, and that's a postcode lottery as to where you live as to how much money your school's got. Right. And I looked at it and I'm thinking, you know, two, 300 quid Chromebooks or iPads or, you know, iPads, four, 500 quid. I mean, you can't give those to, 20 million people in this country i mean you just can't it, it's an impossible task um and also as easy as technology is for us what do you do when your school just gives you a chromebook open it up and well what do i do with it if i'm not technology literate and you know i think uh you touched on it earlier about like the the people with um that require free school meals or, or those sorts of things, they are less likely to be technology literate. Um, sadly, poverty has a compounding effect. It's not, you're not poor for, for your own choices. Um, you're, you're poor because of the situation you're in. And But being poor doesn't allow you to get out of that situation because you struggle in many ways that all of us take for granted. So like I said, not being technology literate um, and and things like that. It's like, so, you know, it needs to be easy. It needs to be straightforward and consumable um, and it needs to be cheap and, and and it needs to be cheap enough that people can step in, um, be that charities and foundations or schools or whatever else. And they can say, okay, you know, your children have got to learn from home now. And uh, these are the devices. This is a simple set of instructions. Just plug it into your TV or, you know, or here's a 
cheap monitor to go with it um and that was kind of where we were talking about and what we were thinking is like you know there needs to be something that's very cheap and and and, and mass producible so cheap to produce but cheap to purchase and, and and distribute and all of those things um and it has to be easy to use so you need to have some you know it's just some very simple instructions like press a couple of buttons here log into zoom log into the web that sort of thing uh, and, and that's where it kind of started and uh I'll, i mean we haven't really talked about what we landed on but i'll i'll jump in first and, and what we found was well, is that well just so, just before you do on. that um one thing that and again i thought it's, it's actually a really interesting point that you talked about there is that idea of simplicity you know and i've done a couple of shows during kind of people's covid response and one theme that does come up even in enterprise it you know and we're we're taking this to to another level aren't we in in all of the things that you've just said but even in enterprise it one of the biggest challenges that enterprises come across is that you know if you sent everybody your workforce have made them distributed you've sent them all home not everybody who works in an enterprise is technology literate either but a lot of our enterprise technology that we expect them to use relies on the fact that it can be supported by people who are and that's all fine when everybody goes to a handful of offices and maybe you've got a handful of people relatively speaking a small a small percentage of the workforce work from home however when it's everybody and you're trying to deploy enterprise technology in non-enterprise um, uh, infrastructure so you know we're, we're taking our laptops home hooking up to the the home wi-fi and the home in, home broadband that's very different from the corporate Wi-Fi for all kinds of reasons. But one of the things that comes up all of the time is how do you support this and how do you make it easy? Because actually enterprise technology is not designed to be easy. It's designed to be installed and managed by IT professionals. And the world that we now live in is not necessarily going to be able to support that. And actually, I think the challenge that you, that you two kind of took on was that's not the, you know, we're, we're go, stepping outside of enterprise IT and saying, how do you deal with that problem? in all kinds of other scenarios. So, um, but yeah, so Jason, as you was kind of going to touch on the, you know, the, yeah. the kinds of technologies that are out there that, that can maybe help with this problem. Yeah. So, um, I have loads of these devices kicking around, um, the Raspberry Pi, um, since the Raspberry Pi four came out beginning of the year, I believe can't quite remember. Um, but we also have the, got quite a lot of different versions of them now. Um, four gig, eight gig. I mean, they're really powerful, really well, relatively cheap they're not you know they're still 60 quid something like that um uh, you get a whole kit for for under 100 and that was kind of our price point that we were talking about is like what could you get for under 100 quid that would do the things you needed it to do and and the raspberry pi fits the bill from a hardware perspective um and from a cost perspective what we or what i found as well um was that it didn't necessarily meet the simplicity um perspective yeah um and that's one of the things i started to look at was how do we make this a bit easier to consume um and i'm still working on this it's still you know one of the things that uh i think it's always been focused on being a tool for learning to code learning to develop i mean there's a lot of collateral around using the raspberry pi the, the raspberry pi foundation themselves write a lot of collateral on coding and learning to be a developer and 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 that but it's like well actually what if i wanted this to be my daily driver device that a child could learn from you know what what do i need to do that and that's the sort of things that that i've been doing with that um and I'm sure michael's got something to uh, to add to what he's been doing on this as well so yeah yeah exactly that uh, i think 
the key part to everything that we started off with the Raspberry Pi, and there's other small devices around there, like, so I'll name drop, like the Amazon Fire Kindle was actually, I had one of those that I used to use on those big tin things that we used to fly places in. Used to use that on on when I was traveling. Um, that was what I gave to this family and just said, look, that's going to be better than you sharing that one phone between the whole family. Like, here's a tablet. And and then I know other families also gave gave devices in. So I think that's when me and Jason started speaking about this Raspberry Pi option. Because and it's amazing how intuitive children are to technology anyway, right? Like we're we're from a generation where we learn Windows and that navigation back in the day and like that was something that we learned. Whereas if you give a computer, you give a just a desktop and it doesn't have to be Windows, but they could generally probably find their way around that, whether that's because they have in, insight into that from school, whether they see mommy and daddy working on that at home and they see the navigation, like it's very intuitive. And even the Raspbian, Raspbian um, OS, or I think they've called it Raspberry Pi OS now, they've, they've whatever it is, it's, a, it's an ARM-based processor with an ARM-based OS um, or an ARM64 OS on here. But it's very intuitive in that you have a start menu. The start menu contains programs and it contains web uh, sorry, uh, web browsers. So that's literally what a six-year-old wants to find, especially, in the, and this isn't just education, right? This is how do they consume cartoons? How do they consume their YouTube stuff that they want to watch. I, I know, my, in fact, I know that Jason will agree here is that me and him have pretty much lived on YouTube, just watching and learning <laughs> stuff. I, I, that's that's ultimately where I first go now to find anything out, whether it's from a gaming point of view, whether it's from a work point of view, that's really the the uptick in, in YouTube. But And you can get to that from a web browser. And I pretty much can guarantee any six-year-old especially in the UK obviously it varies across the world with different like insight into that but a six-year-old will be able to find the web browser and they'll be able to find YouTube as well probably um and, and so the little Raspberry Pi is is really where we first started and this is a model three I think because it still has the full HDMI which is perfect because if you look at most computers or PC setups, laptops, whatever, the most expensive part of that potentially is going to be the screen. But with new TVs or TVs for the last... A 10-year-old TV is likely to have HDMI in. I would say, and there's not all of them, and this might be a smaller number of households, they might not have a, even a TV to be able to watch TV, right? Or people make that choice. That's fine. There's other options there as well. I've blogged about what options are out there, just small screens, basically. Um, but the good thing about the Raspberry Pi having a HDMI connection is that, well, I just need a cable, and the cable then gets plugged into my TV or TVs within the house. So take that family that there's three, there's three kids in that family. One of them's got a tablet, but they've all got TVs in their rooms, whether that's consoles or whether that's for just watching TV. We could take this little box that costs £33 on Pie Hut at the moment, but obviously that's a rough, rough guess on how much that costs. 
with a HDMI cable, a keyboard, and a mouse, we've now got a well. Fair to say that this is a better computer than what my first computer was. There's more memory in this than a lot more memory in this than my first computer, and a lot more CPU and power from that point of view as well. There's definitely again, more memory in that than there was in my first computer. I can tell you, <laughs> your etch a sketch. Yeah. <laughs> but but I think that that goes down to the simplicity. All all we need to do. So these run the operating system runs on an SD card. SD cards are very like within that pack that Jason touched on, they're already pre-installed. So you don't need a computer to be able to load that. But the whole premise of these, like Jason said, they were all really to learn how to code, whether that's for using Python or using some sort of coding, like learning code basically is the, the premise. And if you look at the PyPap Foundation, who are brilliant at content, it's all really focused around coding. Whereas we thought, well, actually, what else could this do? And if you look at those web browsers that we touched on, I think the one that my son uses is something called Purple Mash, which is a web like a web website. You go to it, you can get onto it here. Now there are some limitations in here, and that's where Jason was touching on things like Zoom and and other other areas because there's no camera or um, audio. Like you can, there is audio. There's an audio jack in there, but there's a few things, limitations that that stop us doing that collaborative way of doing it. But ultimately, it's a very cheap way of having another device or leverage the TV as a device. And that, I think that's the that's really the and the, and so then fast forward to like around that August time frame, maybe even September. And Raspberry Pi keep on like they're doing great things, right? There's this, this is the I think this is a three or maybe even a it's a three because of the HDMI connects Wi-Fi built in. So anyone at home that's got Wi-Fi, it's all built in. You don't have to buy additional adapters like you did back in the day with these. Um, but then they keep on developing what they're doing kind of without even probably maybe even knowing about this potential because they're again, focused on the coding focused on the um, home automation space like us. We're, we're tinkerers of tech, right? I've, I use this as a retro way of being able to run old emulators. I've got one down there. I know between me and Jason, I reckon we've probably got 10, 15 Pies doing various different things. I've got a project where I've got a, Z, a Pi Zero, which is an inch by two inch board that it plugs into the back of a screen and it displays hardware monitoring. And then again, there's a screen option. If you need a, a screen, it's a touch screen. There's just endless amounts of projects that you could run. So can I ask then, and, and you know, and, and I don't know who wants to pick this up, um, but what, what, you talk, what kind of what you're talking about those devices, I think there's two things that stand out to me. One, absolutely, they're affordable, come in lots and lots of different formats um, and can be used for lots of different things. But as you are saying that, Obviously, the, 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 the Pi Foundation, Raspberry Pi Foundation is, um, you know, focused on that kind of coding, you know, and that's, that's what they develop those platforms for. And that's great because the idea, of course, with that was to allow people to learn to code on affordable devices. That's exactly what they set out to do. Yeah. Because one of the things, and, and Jason kind of touched on this and, and does have it in one of his blog, and I'll, I'll link to the blogs that you guys wrote about this, obviously, in, in the show notes, but one of the things he touched on when in there was about some of the challenges around kind of using these in the enterprise. So things like Zoom didn't particularly work on these platforms. So if we turn this round just for a second, and I, I, I'm kind of aware of the time, and and you know, and I get I guess we'll need to wrap up soon. But um, 
and I think we could talk about this for probably for hours, but let's face it, everybody's going to have turned off, aren't they, by, by then? Um, but, but one of the things, did you think this is something that enterprise tech companies need to rethink about the way that people are going to be accessing technology, you know, to stop thinking so much about the only way people are accessing technology is, is a laptop or a Mac or an iPad or a smartphone. And actually there's these other devices. And, and you know, and if you're a Microsoft or an Amazon or, or anybody else, you know, you're going to need to rethink about the way that we allow people to consume technology and start to rethink about the way that we deliver information and deliver applications. So, you know, is, is that, is that, do you, do you see that as actually the bigger challenge for technology companies? Because we've already got somebody like a, 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 a kind of Raspberry Pi Foundation are already generating the kind of devices we need is the bigger challenge, how we get the right kind of thing onto these devices. So I'm going to take this one because actually over the journey of this, a few things have happened that changed the way I thought about it. Um, initially, when I was looking at Zoom, so Zoom's a really good example. There isn't an ARM native Zoom client um, for, for whatever reason. However, there are iOS-based ones, right? Um, and there's a Chrome-based one. Um, but you couldn't run the Chrome app um, because of some native libraries that aren't compiled for ARM64 and, and ARM HF. Um, so we went around a few different things. I eventually managed to get it working, but it was way too complicated that I could give any instructions out to anyone. And then Apple come along and they launch their Apple M1 series. So they had announced it earlier in the year. They said they were going to move off of um, Intel chips in the Mac range and to their own Apple Silicon. And for those that don't know, Apple Silicon is based on ARM instruction set. Um, they, they do all the designs and they do all of the, the work behind it, but it's based on the, the ARM instruction set. Them taking that leap and forcing the Mac ecosystem into that instruction set could be the most pivotal point of all of this journey people will now have to start making native apps that run the ARM instruction set. So I fully expect to see a Zoom client, not just a ported iOS client, because you know that's what you could do. I fully expect to see a full Zoom client that is compiled for, for ARM64. Um, and I, you know, we've already seen it in the demos from, from Apple. Microsoft have Office for ARM. For, for you know even in the surface x they've changed this on its head arm was the instruction set we needed for low power low cost devices but there's never been a compelling event to force developers to take anything other than x86 and apple came in and said you're gonna do it because we're doing it anyway we'll do it without you so if you want to come along for the journey get developing. And I think this is probably the big catalyst. I think that's going to help. I think we'll end up with more native applications. We may well end up with, because Apple do a lot with open source as well. Um, so uh, they open source a lot of the Mac OS um, components and other things like that. We're going to see a more broad adoption and app stores and, and, and a, a more consumable ecosystem. And that was exactly what we needed to support this kind of low cost project. So, so do you think kind of as a, as a consequence of something else 
that actually will start to see the kind of shift in technology that, you know, you, you two, you know, and I said this in the introduction, this is something that you've just done outside of work. You know, you, you didn't have a, you know, this, this is not a work project. This is just something that you've picked up on, you know, and, and Michael was sharing before kind of one of the things that inspired him was to kind of see, you know, and, and without embarrassing him, you know, we, we talked about this before he started recording, you know, he lives in an area that is, um, you know relatively well off let's let's call it that Affluent. um and, and i think to be fair a lot of people who are probably listening to this show watching the show and a lot of people that we know in in it are probably fortunate enough to live in very similar positions you know that they the, the their it careers have been good to them and so they live in these kind of relatively well-off areas but even in those areas that's not to say that everybody for all kinds of reasons that everybody has easy access to technology and an easy access and, and, and even when they do that the technology doesn't necessarily suit the requirements. And I, I thought it was interesting actually what you said, uh, Jason, in there about that, it, kind of what, what this is, maybe what this is needed to, to have a rethink has been this compelling event to make us rethink. Um, you know, and, and 2020 has been as compelling an event as most of us is ever going to want to see again, I would imagine. Um, but, but I think it is, a, it's, a, it's a really interesting shift for, for all kinds of reasons. So maybe just to wrap up here and, um, you know, because genuinely I think we could talk about this for, for, a, a long time and I, and I think there's maybe some calls to action that we could perhaps make that to, to encourage other people to maybe to kind of contact you guys and, and talk about maybe ideas that they've got in this and and perhaps we can build something that, that's quite interesting as as technologists that talks about how we put technology in the hands of the people who need it for, for all kinds of reasons but so so maybe you know if, if maybe, maybe and I'll, I'll start with you Michael perhaps have you got a thing that you would like to see from technology companies throughout 2021 and beyond that that maybe helps to make technology increasingly affordable and accessible for people? Yeah, I think the biggest ask is we have to think about everyone, not just enterprise tech or just tech in general. I think we, it's very easy for us to stay in our Twitter bubble or our bubble of technology. We know what we've got access to. We know technology. We know how to do this. But actually, what about your neighbour? What about... like And... This whole point about me being in IT or the thing that I love the most about IT is our IT community. Like met both of you boys through through the IT community. I've got a lot of friends in this this world. I hope that I help quite a bit in the community from a blog point of view or YouTube videos, etc. Um and I think that that'd be my second ask is it's not like it's it's great. Like if you're watching this, brilliant. Let's not just take it away and say, oh, that was really good. That was good thinking about the Raspberry Pi. Oh, really good. Take it. Let your local schools know. Let your like friends know. Friends that aren't in the IT community. Friends that are, yeah, that would be my biggest ask is that one of the things that, and I'm sure Jason will touch on, like the ask around how how else we can we can do stuff here. But, but if they... People don't know what they don't know. If schools, if your head, the head teacher of your ch children's school don't know about this pie, they're potentially going to just go, oh, iPads for everyone. You have an iPad, you have an iPad. And they blow their budget and stop other things, stop kids having the opportunity to do other things when they could potentially take a 600-pound uh, iPad and let's, like get down to a 100-pound offering, a 100-pound package that really allows us to do the same if not if not more and exactly what what jason touched on around this ecosystem is going to massively blow up over the next 12 to 18 months 
And yeah, okay, this will be a distant memory, this whole pandemic, hopefully. And we won't have to worry about it. But this is not going away. And this then this tech, this device, this this gap, this void, whatever you want to call it, that doesn't go away either. And yeah, I think I think we need to look out for each other as we go into 2021 and we potentially get out of this pandemic and potentially into another another hole that we need to fix as well without preaching preaching too much. But and then the final thing that we didn't get chance to really touch on was then Raspberry Pi released this new product as well, which so I mentioned around so that small little box, you need to bring your own keyboard, bring your own mouse, bring your own TV or screen. But whereas this this changes it up again, and this is still at the hundred hundred pound price point we, we think we were having a conversation about it. But what this allows us to do is actually this contains the contents of the Raspberry Pi. So it has all the IO on the back, but it's your keyboard, it has a mouse inside. So all you now need is the power cable and the HDMI. And you just buy that, that's a package that will have everything as the SD card already preloaded, install that in your in your TV, then you've got a, a device. You know, that um I'm a bit older than Michael, probably a bit younger than Stringy, but we'll see. <laughs> um actually really a reminiscent a bit. <laughs> really reminiscent of where I started with computers in the Atari and Spectrum age and those sorts of things, where we had everything was built into the keyboard itself and you plugged it into a TV. I had a Commodore 64. When you were what, 10? <laughs> uh, I think it was my dad's or something. Uh, right, okay. But yeah, so I mean, we've kind of gone full cycle back to like the keyboard, the whole thing is is the computer. It's a great idea. I think it's it's really accessible. So um, I, I, reminiscent of that. And that's why I really loved it. I went out and bought one the day they got announced because um, I'm quite lucky enough to have a Pi store here in, in Cambridge because where the Pi Foundation's based. So we have the, the first retail store. Um, so yeah, it's, uh, I was lucky to go out and get one straight away. Yeah, I, I, I so wish I had a local pie store um, as well. Um, I, I don't mind if they sell technology. I just like a pie. Um, <laughs> anyway, as if nobody's cracked that joke before. Um, so, <laughs> so guys, look, I, you know, I, I, we've, we've kind of come to the end of our time here. You know, it's nearly twenty twenty one. We've uh, we've, we've talked for. Uh, we did a lot of talking before we started recording. Um, but gents, look, I, I, I think you know it. it this for me is a really nice way to end the year i think you know it's been a say 2020's had lots and lots of challenges and i think there's lots of negatives that we could all focus on from 2020 but i think there's been lots and lots of positives particularly something that you both touched on this idea of looking after others in the community recognizing you know i think taking a skill set you know and the skill set you two clearly have you know taking a skill set which is a uh, you know, a, a, an intelligence around technology and a desire to, I think Michael used the phrase before, tinker with technology, but not just not just for the sake of tinkering with technology, but looking at how could I take technology and do something interesting with it and, and do something better. And I think that aligned to the idea that, you know, you've quite clearly both got kind of a social conscience that's saying, how can I look at people who are not as fortunate as I am, you know, not in the position that I am. Now, Jason, you made a great point earlier on that lots, in t- lots of times they're not in that position through choice. They're in that position through circumstance and circumstances beyond their control. You know, so how do we look at 
trying to bridge that gap? How do we look at helping people in those positions? And this is not just the poorest in society. This is anybody where you see that you might be able to help them with a skill set you've got. So, so I think that's a, it's a really inspirational, positive way to uh, kind of end this year's episode of Tech Interviews and uh, as we come to the end of, of 2020. So, gents, I'd, I'd like to thank you, uh, and I'm sure people watching and listening to the show would, would as well, for, for taking the time to at least you know taking the time to, to recognize a problem and look at a way of solving it so so look, if people want to get involved want to find out more about kind of what you've done with this and i know we talked about how to find your social media before um, as we wrap up you know what what's a good way to kind of contact you and if they want to kind of talk about this this topic a little more and, and find out a little more about what you've done i'll go um you can find me on twitter at j benedicic and i blog over on the datacenterbrit.co.uk um on there, you've got links to the blogs that we've talked about, um, but also to my Twitter, my email, and uh, a Discord server that we're in. Um, and you could, it's a nice way of communicating. So you can drop in there and find us both in there as well. So, yeah, yeah. So, and then me at Michael Cade one on Twitter, but yeah, I'm pretty much everywhere. Vzilla.co.uk, all the social medias, Vzilla.co.uk have links to all of all of the sites it's, there's this old thing called email as well you can get me on there um yeah you you should be able to find me if not in the comments down below and stringy will um hook us up with the, the questions and um so actually just one last question for you i know we just said we wouldn't talk about veeam um but um i'm just interested in 2021 is there going to be a veeam agent for etch a sketch uh, so we'll be able to back my data upon uh, well you know that veeam doesn't have a roadmap or that we don't we don't disclose the roadmap stringy you know that you know the rules um <laughs> should, yeah, but should, should i hold my breath for it or, or my, if i missed a boat anton gostev hasn't said that we are categorically not going to which generally <laughs> means when he says that it means that we probably will do it um but yeah, I haven't heard him say anything yet. So watch this space, I think. <laughs> we'll we'll look out for that. So um, gents, look, I, I have a great um, uh, Christmas holidays. You know, I, I hope hope 2020 ends on a, a very positive note for you both. Um, and, uh, you know, and uh, that you have a, that we have a very different 2021, um, certainly, or certainly a more positively uh, different 2021 than the, the, the 2020 that's, the, that's just come into an end. So, uh, but gents, so thanks for being on the show. I say, you know, I appreciate the effort that you put into kind of doing this project alongside a business jobs and um you know and, and let's hope that actually as a technology industry that we do heed the opportunity that, that this year has presented to us and, and we get to do things um you know differently uh, and, and for the good you know some of you touched on before you know to think about more broadly the kind of people that we can impact with technology so gents thanks for being on the show and uh, i'm sure you'll both be on again next year and uh look forward to seeing you both soon thanks it's been great thank you I hope you enjoyed that. For show notes, pop over to techstringy.com. We'll also find all of our previous Tech Interviews episodes. And if you've got an idea for a show, I'd like to appear as guest, then why not email me at podcast at techstringy.com. And as this is the last show of 2020, it just gives me the opportunity to say thank you to everybody who supported the show throughout the year, including, of course, all the fantastic guests, as well as a few of the listeners, because without listeners, there would indeed be no Tech Interviews. So if you want to catch up with the shows we've got planned for 2021, then why not subscribe? You can subscribe in all good homes of podcasts, including Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher and Spotify. And that just gives me the chance to say, have a fantastic holiday season and let's look forward to 2021 and hope it's a bit of an improvement on what most of 2020 was. So until next year, thanks for listening.